Thanks for joining us here today on Worldview with Mike Lester. Each episode, we have a conversation with ministry leaders or other committed Christians with one simple goal in mind, to learn how to develop a biblical worldview. That way we can be faithful believers at the intersection of theology and life. I invite you to stay connected with us at jmichaellester.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you find today's episode helpful, please consider sharing it with your friends or even giving us a review. We believe it's important for everyone to know how to have a biblical worldview and to live life correctly where theology and life intersect. And so with that in mind, let's dive into today's topic. Welcome back, everyone, to a Worldview with Mike Lester. Uh, this is part two of a conversation I've been having with Tim Rosen. If you missed the first episode, I hope you'll go back and check it. Uh, it released on April 30th, uh, as we talked about, or I'm sorry, May 30th, as we talked about uh, materialism. And we looked at really uh, the sources of materialism and signs we should look for as believers to know if we've been infected by uh, that that weed, if you will. Tim. Uh, Anything you want to add just by way of review to what uh, maybe somebody missed the first episode, anything that, uh, or maybe you felt like, man, I wish I would have said this last time. Uh, let's take a uh, moment before we move into well, our, our final two questions. Well, first, thanks for having me back. I was surprised. Okay, not surprised. <laughs> but, uh, you let me have a second chance. That, that's great. Um, I think in both review and intro to part two is material. Materialism is very sneaky, and we have to remember the truth of Scripture that every way of man is right in his own eyes. We're the last person we would think of as being materialistic, but the Lord pondereth, judges the heart. Yeah, I I want to say before we even get started with today's episode, I really appreciate the amount of Scripture uh, that was contained in our last episode, because... uh, if we're going to combat materialism, uh, we're going to need to not only read the Word of God, we're going to need to apply it uh, to yeah. our own lives. And so yeah. I appreciate, uh, I think what stands out for me, honestly, is uh, the, the reading from Hosea. Uh, do you remember that when you read from Hosea? Uh, do you have that verse handy again, by the way? I do. That's uh, 13 verse 6. Read and, it again uh, for those who may have missed the first episode. According to their pastures. Okay, in Old Testament times, your your land, your cattle, that was your wealth. According to their pastors, they were filled. They were filled and their heart was exalted. Therefore, they have forgotten me. Would you say they were filled and still not content? I can't speak for that. I, I don't. Well, you can see their pattern, right? Because uh, with that, they're also in idolatry. They're giving which is has, covetousness uh, has fallen back, which is covetousness. As we know in scripture, they start bringing the lame animal sacrifices, the blind. They're snuffing at giving to the Lord. So, yeah, it's look at that point, materialism is insatiable. No matter how much you have, it's never enough. Yeah. Today's episode, I want to co- I want to cover two questions. So two primary questions are going to direct our conversation. And I'm sure that we'll go off in a couple of tangents here and there just because it's fun. But two covers two questions. One, 
uh, how, how do we pull this weed of materialism out? Like last time we talked about the sources and we talked about the signs to look for. So let's say we've noticed some signs and we're troubled by it and we say, well, I don't want to go down that path. So how do we pull that weed out? And then number two, from just a, maybe more of a practical standpoint, ministry-wise, and I don't mean full-time ministry as a paid minister, but more in the sense of serving the Lord. If that goes unchecked, that spirit of materialism, that heart issue, how does it affect believers' capacity to serve the Lord? Another way to say that, how does it erode a, a biblical worldview? We can start with either one of those questions. Your pick. You want to pick with how to, you want to start with how well, to well, remove let's the Let's start with the problem, then look at the solution. All right, let's do that. it. Okay. So the problem is when materialism creeps in at any level, um, that means a heart that is not content. Now, by definition, contentment is very different from complacent. Content doesn't mean be complacent and don't strive to do better at your trade and your career. We ought always to do all things to the glory of God and to please him and not men. And as we're faithful with that, God can, as he works your heart and your life individually, entrust you with more for being faithful. So what happens then is materialism creeps in in many forms. Worry, covetousness discontent, jealousy, comparing. Uh, the problem is one, and very obviously, we become less of a testimony, less of a light to the dark, uh, to the darkness and the lost around us. For instance, if, 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 if a Christian is worried and that really monopolizes a lot of your thought, your thought and how you feel when you are out in the community, you're in the store, your mind is like, how am I going to pay this? And if I can just do this, and you're missing opportunities that God is orchestrating for you to be concerned for the needs of others. But now we're so concerned about ourselves. That makes sense. Yeah, we are burdened with how are we going to make the bills and how can I get a bigger place with, for my growing family? We're carrying these burdens. God has not designed us to carry, but now we're not being intentionally mindful of the lost around us. That's huge. And then those that are uh, Christians or know that you're a Christian, they're going to see in your words and your actions, your worrying and fretting. So their thought is, well, how big is your God then if you're worried about these things? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of from a practical standpoint, a guy who stands in the pulpit every single week exegetes the scriptures flawlessly. He's always delivering the historical context, the grammatical context. He has a personal application, but he has a blind spot. We all have blind spots. Yes. I have a blind spot. Right. If I knew what that blind spot was, it wouldn't be a blind spot. Okay. Yep. So there's a blind spot that he maybe hasn't recognized. Materialism has crept into his heart. Maybe he feels like as a pastor, he, sh he should be paid more. Like, He's living paycheck to paycheck, not because of poor planning, 
It's just the church hasn't learned how to take care of him. Uh, maybe he's driving a vehicle that uh, is held together with bailing wire. Uh, and so he's not really discontent. It's now becoming a safety issue, but he can't afford it. Uh, and so he looks at some of the executives in his church that drive a new Cadillac. And, and so jealousy is creeping in. But he's justifying it because, you know, these are real needs that he has. Is his worldview in danger? Is his, Christ, is his power uh, to do everything God wants him to accomplish? Is it, is it being hindered? Or Based on the just... hypothetical that you shared, yes. But to pull from that, it, it is not to say that a pastor that is being un, underpaid falls into this, but based on everything else that you've built into this hypothetical. So we know the truth that everything we say and our thoughts and everything we do stems from the heart. And Christ uses an example of a tree. And you know, if it's a good tree, it's going to produce good fruit. If that tree has some roots of bitterness, jealousy, comparison, that's going to come out. So it is with money and by extension, money, riches, and possessions, how we handle what we do with money, how we view it, and what our beliefs are stem from our heart. And so it is a heart uh, issue. So the solve in practice is not going to be the same for everyone, though the truths and principles are the same. Because uh, So you have one hypothetical. So that pastor is going to do some things that are a little uh, different from, let's say, uh, a Christian layman who uh, is, let's say, perhaps very rich and still discontent that he needs more. He needs to build an empire uh, and he hasn't been giving. Well, he's going to need to take some different steps. And, and it's amazing how giving for the right reasons solves so many of those issues. I'm glad you mentioned that being underpaid isn't necessarily related to being a materialistic. Right. Absolutely. Because I, I didn't want one of our listeners to just pick that one part of your hypothetical and then worry that they're being materialistic. So there's plenty of scripture that supports like, look, those who are receiving or sitting under the instruction ought to, ought to give and can compensate th those that are giving the gospel. Right. So. Uh, so in the 1800s and 1900s, America led the world in exporting missionaries. Mm -hmm. Now, it seems like there aren't as many called, which I don't believe that's the problem. We certainly don't see as many going, it seems at times. And further, we have people now sending missionaries to America. Do you think that turn of events is related to a worldview problem of Americans in general? Absolutely. And, and whether you get uh, the Barna report or Pew, uh, Pew research and such, uh, you will see that even those uh, claiming to believe Christ, you know, Jesus is the son of God and how many go to church and all that, those numbers are dropping. So yeah, we need missionaries right here domestically in the United States. I, every, well, you look at it this way. Where is the gospel exploding in those countries where the persecution is the greatest? And so in America and other developed countries, when uh, our pastors are filled, yep. our hearts are filled, our hearts are exalted, <clears throat> our needs are met, 
Therefore, America has forgotten God. Yeah, that's good. That's good. What else would be some problems in a Christian's effectiveness uh, if, if they are allowing materialism to grow up and spring up in their heart? Sure. From, from a, a root standpoint, because it's going to manifest itself in all kinds of problems. Just read 1 Timothy 6 all kinds of temptations and snares, all these word pictures that when we love money, please read 1 Timothy 6. Notice his word pictures. They, they fall into a trap, a snare. Think not just like, oh, a little mouse trap, but a, a bear trap that's, you know, severing your leg and, and are pierced through with many sorrows. You don't get back, from, you don't recover from a piercing and drown men. And what is drowning? How many people come back from drowning? It's that severe when we love and we trust money. Uh, I don't know if we're getting to the solutions yet because they're popping in my mind, but uh, we're the almost there. We're almost there. Is from, is from the heart, and that's going to be anywhere from from a beginning stage of of affecting negatively your fellowship with the Lord, your abiding time with Christ, because now your heart focuses are exterior or away from God and the, the source of money or money itself, what money can do for us. And uh, it, it's really, it, it can be encapsulated in this. I'll make a bold statement here. This whole thing about money during our lifetime is all about dependence or independence. Right now, I was in just getting ready to ask you a hypothetical scenario. So here's, I'm <laughs> glad you. So we're thinking along the same way. Would you say that the 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 further one goes up in materialism, the perceived need to depend on God goes down? Absolutely, and it's not it's not subjective, and it's not opinion. Uh, you know, first opinion, chapter three, as you said, <laughs> uh, it's scriptural. We see sure. that. Good. Yeah, we're, we're tracking on the same, same place there. Would you also say that as materialism increases, comparison is there, jealousy is there, bitterness can come if it's not dealt with, but also from that same root can also grow, and I, I think this is coming from dependence, independence, a, a tendency to walk by sight and not by faith. That happens even in the early stages of materialism. And as we continue to use that word, please, listener, uh, viewer, <laughs> don't think that it means material things because God gives us richly all things to enjoy. But when our affections go from above to things on the earth, that's problematic. That's when materialism kicks in. Tim, you've written how many books? Or with uh, one other being translated in Spanish and now Sudanese in the works. Whoa, Sudanese. Okay, tell us, uh, tell us what you've written and a brief description. Sure, this is going to be a setup for a question, so answer okay. wisely. I would say the first book to read because it's more foundational is called Faith and Finances uh, on Amazon. And uh, that, that it's Christ-focused financial teaching versus like a man-made steps towards financial success gets to the heart of the issue the heart of the matter because money is a matter of the heart there's even exercises in there for 
husbands and wives to go through without finger pointing so that they can get on the same page. Because while God made us of one flesh, he did not make us of one mind. And so <laughs> we enter into marriage with sometimes greatly differing views of money, which leads to resentment, arguments, and, you know, gets a little messy. Okay, so, so that's uh, one. What's faith and finances. Also, multiply. This was written for a burden for uh, pastors, because as I've traveled and traveled with you, and I've traveled in conferences around the world, and, and even domestically, I end up talking to pastors, and uh, pastors in their 50s and 60s have been advised by well-intended men of God in the past, look, just be faithful, God will provide for you. Well, that's a partial truth, but it omits so many other truths, so these, these men have uh, lived for the Lord and, and served the Lord all their lives, and they have nothing when they no longer compat can pastor, can't expect the church to keep paying them to be a pastor when they need another pastor to replace them. So with biblical principles and a storyline with characters with names of the faithful servants, <laughs> faithful stewards in Matthew, uh, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, we follow these faithful uh, servants to see what they learned, what scripture was available in first century Jerusalem, what mistakes did they made? did they make? Uh, who did they seek for wisdom and guidance? What was their heart? Were they hasty to be rich? Did they diversify like uh, Solomon taught? So we have biblical principles to apply today to help in our efforts in saving, investing, and planning for, the for our futures. Yeah. Are these the ones that are being translated or is there a third book? Faith and Finance is the one that's being okay. uh, translated. It is in, it, it's in Spanish, in Espanol, Fate y Finanzas on Amazon. <laughs> That's bold paperback. Uh, it's only in paperback right now. And I'm seeing a lot of orders of those in bulk. So I believe it's being a, a huge help to a lot of Spanish-speaking churches. Good. English-speaking churches are using it like in a 13-week um, uh, curriculum. That he says, curriculum. Sure, yeah. mm -hmm. Is there another book? Yes, uh, more recently is a mini book, an easy read, but there's a warning in the beginning, man. If you don't, you know, if you don't believe God, the Bible is God's word. If you don't believe that what Jesus says is his word and you don't trust that, just don't continue reading <laughs> because it, it's called Bible Steps, a, a pathway to God's financial promises and principles. Good. And Bible Steps, there's a little clue of, what I'm directing towards. Yeah, there's an authority there. Before okay. we take other toddler steps. Was there a fourth book? Uh, the fourth book was actually the first book I, I didn't mention. It was in 2010, uh, kind of written for all persons, not uh, straight from the Bible. You just kind of some secular wisdom, uh, but godly wisdom. It, it's called uh, Against the Grain, Avoiding the Financial Pitfalls of Conventional Wisdom. I wrote that out of frustration of, of sitting down and counseling so many folks. And they, they just kept saying, well, you know what they say? <laughs> they will know who's they, you know, max out your 401k, pay, you put all your extra money towards paying off your, your house, live for today, YOLO. And, and questioning this conventional wisdom, we find that it's not in your best interest to follow conventional wisdom. So here are some alternatives that you can do now and not end up with everyone else following conventional wisdom, paying more taxes and, being in debt, uh, you know, when you should be perhaps at retirement age. Okay, so four books, and then conferences uh, around the U.S. and global. 
Yes. Perfect. So we are setting you up, Tim, as an authority for understanding the Bible's wisdom concerning how to handle possessions and money. That so is my that being said, specialized focus. Here's the setup question. <laughs> Does that preclude you from ever struggling with or being on guard against materialism? Uh, it does not preclude me. Uh, thankfully, I've, I've learned early on from such uh, men of God as uh, Dr. John Gatch and other mentors that before I get up before a microphone or any platform where I can teach, um, I better be the message. I better apply that message before I share it with anyone else. And when I do speak, even as I'm speaking now, or 186 podcasts that I've, uh, episodes that I've recorded or behind uh, a pulpit, I'm speaking to an audience of one, and it's what saith scripture. There's no room for opinions, although my professional advice as a registered investment advisor and fiduciary in practice is certainly helpful. Uh, but we have had and continue to have many uh, financial uh, trials and struggles. I just received a call before uh, recording our episode one. It was best news. It was a, a, a readjustment of a couple of tax years uh, where we paid our taxes, but they feel that we should have done this or we should have done that. And now there's some money owed and we will pay that. Uh, but there's always something. I think but, it's good for uh, our uh, hearers uh, to understand that just because you write four books and speak in conferences around the world, it doesn't mean that materialism isn't still an enemy for you to be on guard against. Correct. Um, as God has increased our revenue, uh, thankfully, my wife and I are on the same page. I be, we began, um, when you use the word tithe, you talk about tithe, many people in our circles or our social media groups will say, oh, brother, here we go again, because they want to go right to grace. And it's not a matter of law. It's not a matter of obligation. Uh, it, it really is, is a principle in which we demonstrate our dependency on, on the Lord. But in tithing faithfully, not out of obligation, uh, and just the desire to give generously and sacrificially and doing that through financial trials, I wouldn't wish my financial trials on, on anyone. Sure, yeah. We bought an office building in 2007, lost it during the, uh, the, the housing crash. We lost it in 2009. There were repercussions for that. We thought we were done. We took the hit to our credit, gave the building back. Uh, no, they wanted us to still make a, pay the mortgage on a building we didn't have. Wow. I had to uh, you know, show all of my tax returns. And on recorded depositions, they questioned Okay, you're saying you you suffered your you had a decreased income in 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, right? Yes. Why are you still giving to this church then? And that allowed me to share scripture right on the microphone as the stenographer was recording every word we said. So the world doesn't get that. The world yeah. doesn't get how can you keep giving to the Lord in these large amounts when you are uh, suffering because God's ways are, are much better than my ways, and my thoughts are not his thoughts, so I don't want to revert to looking and living by faith, uh, but sorry, by sight, and like, this is impossible, this is egregious, this is terrible, I can never get out of this, like, 
Lord instead by faith. This is kind of exciting, this trial, because I know you're at work. Yeah. And the work that you want to do, according to First Peter, is more valuable than gold that perishes. So more more hearing, valuable than the money that we're worried about. What I'm hearing then is this isn't uh, lessons Tim learned because he just decided to have a Bible study. These are lessons Tim learned out of necessity and Absolutely. desperation. Yeah. And um, giving faithfully, even during bad times, even during a time where my um, uncle, who used to be a drug dealer, and he uh, got saved, and because he has a Jewish background, really started uh, studying the law, and he called me one day, he says, hey, good news, nephew. What? Man, you don't have to tie. That was a law. You're free. And my flesh said, yippee. <laughs> And I stopped tithing. And those were the two darkest years financial of wow. our marriage. Wow. Not out of law, not out of obligation. But can I give the spoiler alert here about the tithe? Or is that another subject? No, you can give a spoiler alert. All right. God doesn't need our money. Uh, Psalm 50, verse 10, if, verse 12. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. Am I going to drink the blood of bulls and goats? But in Deuteronomy 14, 23, when God is saying, bring all these different tithes in, there's a, there's a comma that ye may learn to fear the Lord thy God always. Every dispensation, every group of people God has worked with, it's always been his design that his people would depend on him. Now, today, it does go back to materialism, right? The more we have, the more we think we don't need the Lord. The tithe is an exercise in demonstrating dependence, saying, Lord, I depend on you. Well, your words are cheap. Okay. Well, I'm going to return to you a tent. Now, <laughs> larger income, that tent is larger. And whoever does surveys, it does show that the more money a Christian makes, the less percentage he gives. Whether he's saying, well, you know, I gave 10,000 and that's a lot more than when I was making, you know, 50 grand or what have you. Um, but regardless of how little or how much we make, when we, when we give that tent, our, our hearts follow our treasure. And then it is a complete dependence. Lord, I don't know how, but I need you. And I trust you to meet my needs. And he promises to do that. And when he does that above and beyond all that we can ask or think he gets the glory and our faith is strengthened. And that's a faith exercise every paycheck. Elsewise, it tends to be when someone in our family is, is close to death, now we're really getting on our knees and Lord, and, and, and that's a worthy time to do that. Well, what about with every paycheck? I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord, but I trust you. Yeah, good. Not obligation. I'm doing this to demonstrate my dependence on you. So going back to materialism, uh, America really pushes independence, and we buy into that independent financial independence there are christian books that out there baby steps how to be a millionaire how to how to be rich how to do this how to be financially independent where's the focus self 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 so i think we're starting to get into this idea of how to uh how to find a cure if you will or how to pull the root of materialism if it's been planted in our hearts so let's talk let's imagine tim I'm sitting in your office. I, I love the Lord. I read my Bible. I go to church, but, and I feel like I struggle with discontentment. 
I feel like I'm not thankful. I'm frustrated easily, uh, anxious, or worried about the future. And I feel like, you know, maybe there's, there's, a, there's a root of materialism that I have been infected with because of all the media that I'm surrounded and bombarded with. And I'm coming to you for counseling, number one, because of your financial uh, certifications, but also because I know you, you also have a biblical degree as well. And so I'm coming to you for biblical insight to deal with materialism. What's your counsel to me? Absolutely. Nothing new under the sun. <laughs> Nothing that God doesn't already know. And as old as scripture is, there's nothing new that his truth does not speak to. I am going to assign you some homework that you prayerfully read every day. Matthew 6, John 14, and Philippians 4. In Matthew 6, we're going to read that and we're going to learn that God's word is alive and powerful. So we're going to let it affect our heart that Jesus is speaking to his followers and they are worrying. And he builds the case, why are you worrying? In the broader sense, he who spoke everything from nebulas to galaxies, you know, in six days, also knew every day you had before you were born, Psalm 139, knew all your members, wrote them in his book. How wonderful also are thy thoughts unto me, O Lord. If I should count them, they're greater than sand. And we, we lose sight of that, of just how much he cares. The birds. I don't know how many species of birds. One falls to the ground. He knows how much more valuable are you. So Matthew 6 is going to address worrying and the reality of true wealth. Hey, everything that you're striving to build here under the sun, as Solomon would say in Ecclesiastes, everything for this life, hey, it's going to pass. But you know what? If you trust me and you store it up in, in heaven, I'm going to store up that real treasure for you in heaven. And, and it, it pulls our focus from being down here, living by sight to living by faith and setting our affections above. So Mike, I'm going to have you read that every day, you and your, and your wife. Uh, be comforted and and look at uh, further the kingdom and the uh, the dwelling that the Lord is preparing for you in in John 14. And then also we're going to learn from um, from Paul. So I don't want you beating yourself up about it that you're not there yet. Look, Paul said, "I have learned." That's good, right there. In action, that's good. I'm learning. Learn to be content, whether I'm full, whether I'm hungry, whether I abound or whether I'm poor. I've I have found in all these things, I have learned to be content. And then John 14, what was John 14? Uh, John 14, um, I go to prepare a place for you. And my, you believe the father, believe also in, in me. I go to prepare a place for you. My father's house are, are many mansions. And so uh, Jesus is departing. They're sorrowful, but it's this look up. Look what we're going. It's again, thinking more of, of heaven, because ultimately this is part of the solution here now is consider the end of a matter. What's okay. this all about? This life is a vapor. It's a shadow. Ultimately, salvation is number one for for all of us but beyond that you're gonna we're we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of christ and give an account for all that we've done in this life whether it be good whether it be bad what do you mean bad tim thought that's all like you know under the blood 
But rewards are loss of rewards, whether it be good or, or bad. We will, uh, we will lo potentially lose some rewards there. It's right there in scripture and, and threaded throughout all scripture. We find that our focus is to be more towards the eternal. This life is a vapor. Why build it all here? Why fret over here? Because the more we fret, the less faith we have. And it exercises our faith. If we're called to live by faith, why aren't we exercising that faith and, and demonstrating our dependence? There's no better place to be than fully dependent upon and in the arms of, of the Lord, rather than you know trying to claw our way out of his grip and my way's better. I'm a financial planner. I can devise a better plan. Nope. Okay. I'm going to push back because, uh, you know, I've, I, I've done some training with uh, biblical counseling. So I expect homework. I expect it. I'd give homework too. So, okay. But let's be honest. If I just go home and read for the next seven days, Matthew 6, Philippians 4, John 14, and I just read those every day with my wife, and maybe I memorize them. I don't think that's necessarily the magic pill that's going to just uproot this. So what else do I need to consider? There's, There's got to be a own, change of thinking somewhere, right? Your, your own prayer life. And we have to be transparent, not only before God, and that could be hard. When we're holding on to something, either we're not aware of it or we're very aware we're trying to protect it. To be transparent before the Lord and to be honest with ourselves and, and pray after the manner of Psalm 139. Lord, search me and know my heart. Now, he already knows. Okay. Right? So Here I'm praying, knows. Tim, and I'm confessing. I'm confessing, Lord, I've been discontent. Uh, I've not been satisfied with what you've given me. And I'm, as a result, I've been ungrateful. And those two have gone together. Lord, I, I recognize that. And because of wanting more, I've been frustrated. And sometimes I've gotten anxious about what, you know, I've looked at the economy and I've looked at uh, just everything that I hear on the news. And so, Lord, I confess to you, I've been sinful in my thought life. So is now the root of materialism gone? No. Proverbs. For, so it takes intentionality daily. Good. Help me. Uh, Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence. So we need to cultivate a new heart. The reality is whatever size church you're in, you're sitting down with a, a hundred brothers and sisters in Christ, same Bible, same church, same pastor. Guess what? You're going to have almost a hundred different beliefs about money. So one of the exercises that I'll bring people through is get a, a piece of paper write your answer to these questions to me money is and write that answer out i'll only use a credit card when write that out to me having money in savings is i feel da, 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 da. giving money to the lord to me is and so what we're trying to do is extract your own individual biases and beliefs and prejudices about money and they're all different because we all grew up with different mothers and fathers and we watched and we heard them and we're influenced now mine was so conflicting my dad literally would give the shirt off of his back and he would give to the point of financial hurt my mom worried about money money was security to her they divorced when i was eight she sought security of money or what have you and that would make her happy well 45 years later she's not happy 
And so I was influenced by both my mom and, and my dad. And so we bring these individual and unique attitudes and perceptions about money into adult life. And those, those uh, long-standing beliefs are also manifest as habits. And sometimes we don't even, we have habits and beliefs we don't even know we have. Sure. But we sit down and examine them. Then we let God's word and God's spirit convict our heart. Oh, okay. How I've been viewing money, how I've been handling money isn't really in line with biblical truths and principles and probably right. not pleasing. The Let Lord. me throw you a softball question. Okay. I think this will be an easy question. So you've looked at, batter up, you've looked at uh, an Old Testament passage, guard thy heart or keep thy heart with all diligence. I'll give you the New Testament, I believe, parallel to that. Put off the old man, put on the new man. So practically speaking, someone who's found the root of materialism, what should they put off? What kind of wrong thinking? And what should they put on? Just sort of bullet items, put off this and put on this. Okay. Put off ownership as being your ownership. And put, put on, on ownership as being God is truly the owner and we are the steward. And Good. today's definition is the manager, not of my resources, but I've been entrusted with his resources to manage it in a way that pleases him and not me. Good. All right. So we're going to put off a thinking that says it's mine, mine, mine. And I'm going to put on the thinking it's his. I'm managing it for him. Put Number off two. worry. Put on my peace. Okay. Explain that. Be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Then the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. All right. So if I'm worrying, that's an indicator that I'm not resting in God's peace and God's sovereignty and God's control. It also means you are still uh, approaching this as an owner. Good. So key, key phrase here. The owner bears the burden. Yeah, that's good. All right. That's, that's all your two. cares upon him. If he owns it, then the financial trials, and I've had many, and I'm going through one right now, but it's, hey, look, God's got it. He owns the burden, too. Why do we say, Lord, I trust you, but then we, no, but this money thing, I got to shoulder myself. Good. All right, so that's two key principles that anybody today could look at and say, all right, I, I think I am dealing with it. I need to put that off. I need to put this on. What else? Put off greed. <laughs> And put on generosity. Give me another word for greed, a biblical word. What's that? Give me a biblical word for greed. Covetousness. Good. So let's put off covetousness, which is idolatry. idolatry. And what do we need to put on? Giving, <laughs> being generous, generosity. Sure. And I messed up your alliteration by changing greed to covetous, but I wanted to use a <laughs> biblical word there, right? So we're going to put and off, we're going to put off covetousness and we're going to put on a heart of generosity and a heart that says, I, God has given to me so I can give. So God's giving through me. And here's some biblical support to that. The world's view is, man, if you give more to that church, you will have less. But God's ways are when you give from a heart of faith and, and the then we also see in uh, 
Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So then shall your barns be filled with plenty, plenty. and your vats will burst with new wine. Now, most of us are not farmers now, but those words speak of more than meets your needs. Why would God give us more than meets our needs? Not so that we can further build our kingdom here, but that we have more to be used of the Lord to help those, especially those of the household of faith, Galatians 6.10, store up treasure in, um, in heaven, uh, get the gospel out through missions and such. And that's why he would give you and he would equip you for every good work. And, and we see that in uh, in 2 Corinthians 9. Why would he give us more so that we may be equipped unto every good work? Good, according to God's definitions, not ours. Okay, Tim, I, I get it. I'm tracking with you. This is really helpful. You've given me some tracking. I'm Which tracking. You've given me homework. You've talked to me about replacement principles. Tim. I, I may tend to be a hoarder, storing up for the future, but how do I balance the need to plan wisely to make sure that I'm using wisdom and not because I have a lack of trust? Where's, where's the balance in that? Well, that's a whole 40-minute sermon that I have called <laughs> the balance between managing today and planning for tomorrow. Okay, stop. So, is that is that message online anywhere? Ugh, I teach it's one of the sessions I teach uh, live in the pulpits at, at at churches. I believe I do have a podcast, Faith and Finances Podcast, and wherever you listen to podcasts, there's 186 of them. So go through there. I'm sure I covered that. So. Wow. Okay. So Tim's <laughs> instruction for you if you really want to know this answer. Listen to 186 episodes yeah. and hopefully you'll find. Absolutely. It's, it's not going to be, oh, it's a third, a third, a third, a third. It's going to be in every family, every Christian family, their circumstances are, are different, right? By what is your career? What are your expenses? Um, there's, a, there's many moving parts here. One is, are you honest with what a, a need is and distinguished from a want? Are you, are you too heavily balanced over wants? So what I'll do when I sit down with, with someone is, number one, you need to see where all the money is going. So Solomon wrote this, be diligent to know the state of thy flocks. Look well to your herd. What on earth? Today, we would say, be diligent to know the state of your bank accounts. Look well to your dollars. How many of us are spending and we just in our minds, yeah, we're not spending that much on dining out or on, on all the different ways we watch TV. But when you go through and you line item and you see where your dollars are going, your job may drop. So for all of us, we need to uh, discern wants from needs. It's okay to have some wants, but look where those dollars are going and, and bring some of those dollars back instead of paying for TV on seven different ways or still paying for cable $130 a month for the average American household when they only watch three channels on average, but I've got 600, you're overpaying, come on, be a good steward. And so there's ways that we can bring back those dollars into our household and then start by saying, okay, I, I've brought back $250 that was going out and oh, you know, going out to eat too much, spending too much on entertainment, and so I agreed to, to we'll, we'll still watch TV, we'll still go out to eat, but I'm permitting myself to pay this much. With those dollars, uh, I realize I haven't been giving as much, so I'm going to increase my giving here, I'm going to increase my savings, and I'm going to increase my 401k. 
Good. So now we're managing for today by being diligent to look well to our dollars, bringing back some uh, overspending, bringing it back in, and then through uh, biblical wisdom, and as you seek the Lord and as he guides you, maybe we haven't been as diligent in in faithfully honoring the Lord in some areas of of giving. That is a return of investment that uh, we'll never regret. But again, we have to think more of our eternal home. This is a vapor. We will be glad when we are in heaven. We're going to spend eternity there, and we will have those treasures to enjoy and have fellowship with. Yeah, sounds like there's a lot we could discuss there, and we definitely don't have time. Tell me if my summary is correct of your answer. Somebody who says, I want to plan for the future, but I I'm, I feel like I might be just hoarding because I, I don't trust the Lord, but also there's this need to be wisdom. Could we say the difference between those two scenarios is really the what's going on in the heart? Absolutely. To hoard, as Jesus pointed out in Luke 12, you're, you're not being rich towards God. Your focus is you. Okay. And to hoard is to not trust. Good. Tim, we've covered a lot of ground in two episodes. And by the way, congratulations on being the first guest to get two episodes with me. So we've covered sources of materialism in the first episode, which is really all media, anything that comes in front of our eyes. We've talked about signs to be on guard against. In this particular episode, we've talked about, you know, just how that's going to affect us. If we don't deal with materialism in our own hearts, it will affect us as believers in our effectiveness to live out what God's purpose is. And then we talked about really how to deal with it. Okay, this is what's going on in our heart. We need to take that out. We need to put this in. Really, really helpful. Uh, I can't really think of anything else I want to add to that, unless you have anything else you want to add. I, I think you've uh, allowed opportunity with two episodes to really cover the lion's share of it. But again, it all goes back, perhaps in summary, of this whole matter of money that gets us either worried, stressed, greedy, materialistic, it's all going to perish. There's no money in in heaven. It is completely a matter of in your walk with the Lord, what or whom do you- There's gold there. Does that count? Uh, Nope. (laughs) All right, Tim, you've been very gracious to give me these two episodes. And I feel like there's so much more we could talk about. And I'm sure we probably raised some questions uh, in our hearers. So if someone wanted to reach out and get more information, we've talked about the books you've written. Uh, are all of those at Amazon? They are. Okay. So if someone wanted more information, they could find you at, the, you know, look up Tim Rosen on Amazon. If someone, maybe a pastor or a ministry leader, was interested in having you speak to their church, like you mentioned, you've spoken at a lot of churches, maybe a weekend seminars and things like that. Absolutely. How would they contact you? So there's the web, the ministry website is timrosen.org, and there's a little form off to the side, contact me, and but it also, it gives some hypotheticals of how we can do a weekend uh, sessions at your church, or Sunday services behind the pulpit, or a men's leadership, or what have you, so there's some good content there, Um, I'm going to just give out that number too, the phone number, 615-983- 7760. Feel free to uh, call, reach out to me. Email tim at fin, like a shark, fin compass. It's short for financial compass. Uh, tim at fincompass.org. Uh, email is probably the best or call. Now, I know for personally, you have one of my mutual funds you manage for me. Do you do that for other people? Are you full? Like if somebody just wanted some help with advising or financial planning? 
I really have a heart for those who serve in ministry. One to, to, again, it's not products and I'm not a salesperson. I am to advise as to what is in your best interest. And sometimes we've seen, you know, financial guy come into the church and fleece the flock and, you know, that's never good. So I'm very protective for, for uh, pastors and I'm, I'm happy to review if they're doing something that, I can review it. If it's good, I'm going to let you know. If, if things are, are happening with your investments or you're being overcharged or, you know, someone's speculating gambling, I'm, I'm going to let you know that as, as well. Happy to, to provide some guidance there. Good. I appreciate that. <clears throat> when we deal with ideas about the worldview, it's just so important we have a biblical worldview. And the idea of materialism, money, possessions, it's something we deal with in 21st century Christianity. And I think it's good to have some resources. So I appreciate not only the wisdom and insight you've given us over the last two episodes, but also your willingness to be available if somebody wants more. Um, it's a privilege to me. Thank you. Tim, I've enjoyed it, uh, not just from the standpoint of a podcast host, but just the personal friendship over the years as well. Uh, thanks again for the time. Anything else you want to add? Any other shout outs? Here's your chance before we go off the air. Sure. I will be teaching, believe it or not, Worldview of Money at Joshua Camps out in Lancaster, um, Lancaster Baptist in the uh, last week of july and august first week of august for junior hires and and senior high you can look at joshuacamps.com and look into those uh those weeks those dates and the different focuses on the camps there's basketball there's drama camps and i'm teaching worldview good so i may see you out there there's a good possibility i'm coming out in august uh, to bring uh, two of our kids to the joshua camps so oh that's awesome we can ask you to get in person hey uh, <laughs> A group, I appreciate your time. I, I sure appreciate that those of you who listen to Worldview with Mike Lester. And I hope that the last two episodes have been helpful. They've been helpful to me. Hopefully they've been helpful to you. And I look forward to seeing you in another episode. Tim, thanks again. And everybody else, look forward to seeing you in the next episode. See you soon.